Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. I'm going to be reading uh, in, the, in my opening text here from 1 John chapter 3 and, and verse 4. And um, for the past several weeks, we have uh, done a series on the Word of God. And I really feel that it has been so uh, rich and uh, just such a... Um, when you start talking about the Word and the power of the Word, something always starts churning. And uh, it's been such a great, a great time. And this will be the last week of, of this series, and, and uh, we'll move, move on to something else uh, next week. But, uh, but I do believe that, that God would have us to, to, to hear something today. I do want to say we're so honored this morning to have Brother Raymond Woodward here with us and uh, all the way from Canada. And uh, we're so honored that he's here, and uh, we're, we're honored he's here, and it also feels like the most inappropriate thing in the world to have one of the greatest teachers on the planet sitting uh, in a pew during a teaching session. It just feels wrong. And uh, so, but nevertheless, I will, I will go on. First um, <laughs> John chapter 3 and 4, if you're there, say, I'm there. If you're looking at the screen, say, I'm cheating. All right, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law or breaks the law. Whosoever commits sin breaks the law. For, the, for sin is the transgression of the law. My subject in this first word session, the, the last session of, on the series of the word of God is simply this. When you disobey the word of God. When you disobey the word of God. God bless you. You may, you may be seated. Now, I need five minutes to do a, a Bible study with you. And uh, turn to your neighbor and say, he just needs five minutes. And, and we will move on. Brother, Brother Ryan's got me up here with, with, with no microphone in my hand, so I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, he asked me to be in an experiment with him this morning. And so... Uh, if you see my hands doing weird things, don't, don't mind that. But I need five minutes to do a Bible study uh, very quickly with us today about, about sin. When you have sinned, 1 John 3 and 4 says, when you commit a sin, you transgress or break the law. When you have sinned, you have broken the law. I want everybody to say, when I sin... I break the law. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you, you've broken some laws. You're, you're, you're a lawbreaker. Now beyond that, the next portion that we have to understand, that when I commit sin, I've broken the law, but number two, the wages of that sin is death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So when I break the law, when I sin, I've broken the law. And because I have broken the law, the wages of that sin is death. Now let's take it a step further. Not only is the payment for that sin death, sin itself produces death on its own. 
James 1.15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So the end result of sin is, has, will always be death. Here's the reality in my five-minute Bible study to you at the opening of this. Sin also separates us from God. So not only does it produce death, but it separates me from the Lord. Isaiah 59 and 1. I've got a lot of verses right here. Just, just bear with me. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. That means his, his, his arm is able to reach you. His ear is able to hear you. Both your iniquities have, sep have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. Sin, sin tells us, uh, the word tells us that sin separates us from God. So it is safe to say on this Sunday morning that sin is bad. Sin is something that we do not want to be a part of. But the reality is in this building that we are not sitting among people that are perfect. We're not sitting among people that, that, that even after you have come to the Lord, you are uh, above the possibility of making a mistake. We all know and recognize this Sunday morning that, uh, that, that yes, we have uh, been filled with the Spirit of God, baptized in Jesus' name, but we all recognize this morning that, that we still have this human flesh to deal with. Amen. And, and it is sin. It is, it is sin that when we sin, sin separates. Sin always separates. And so to somebody that is saved or somebody that has been filled with the Spirit, baptized in Jesus' name, you still have the capability of sinning. You still have the capability of making a, a mistake. So the question this morning is what do I do when I disobey the word of God? This is the whole lesson, all right? This is the whole lesson in, in, in the first five minutes, okay? Are you ready? Ezekiel 18 and 21. But if the wicked will turn, somebody say turn, will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Now go down to verse 30. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord. Repent. Somebody say, repent. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. What do I do when I disobey the word of God? Here's the whole lesson. Are you ready? Repent. When you disobey the word of the Lord, you repent. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. That's the lesson for today. You repent. You repent. Now, it's... it's We've got to dig into this a little bit more on, on, on this morning because I think even in church culture, we can get a mis, uh, misdirected understanding of repentance. We can get uh, an unhealthy view of, 
of what repentance actually is. So I, I want to dive into the question, what exactly is repentance? If I'm supposed to repent when I disobey the word of God, what is repentance? Are you ready? Are you ready? In the Old Testament, the Hebrew, uh, the word for repentance was sub, S-U-B, not, not an Italian sub, not, not a, a Philly cheesesteak sub. It's still 10-11, so nobody's hungry quite yet. But uh, it's just sub. It, it, it was commonly interpreted in the Old Testament to uh, turn or return. And so sometimes in the, in the Old Testament, often in the Old Testament, instead of using the word repent, they would use the word turn or return, all right? It would translate that way. And so in the New Testament, you have the Greek word, are you ready? Metanoeo. Yeah, <laughs> you say that five times. The, the Greek word for, for repent is uh, metanoeo. Turn to your neighbor and say metanoeo. <laughs> sounds so smart. It means, it means simply to turn or return. Now, if that is the definition of repentance, something is lacking. Something has to yet still be explained because repent is not just done. It just says to turn. And so literally just turning, it's, you know, well, I made a mistake. I'm just going to turn. I'm, I'm, I'm done. It, the definition demands more than just, it's more than just turning. Are you with me right now? It's, it's more than just turning. It, 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 here, it, it goes a little bit further. There, there's two requirements demanded by these definitions. It's turning from something, but also turning to something. I'm not just turning you know, how weird would it be to be a part of a church that, that says, oh, yeah, you made a mistake. All you need to do is just, just turn and, and walk, you know, just, just turn. You mean just turn? Just, it, it's not just turning. It's not just walking a different direction. But it literally means turning away from something while at the same time turning toward something. And so scripture would lend itself to, to, to this definition, turning from evil or from sin and turning to good or turning toward God. Repentance is not just turning. Repentance is turning away from sin and wrong and evil and turning toward God. Somebody say amen to that. Repentance is a turning around, or it is an about face. Brother Woodward said this actually. It, it, it's an inward change of, of attitude leading to an outward change of action. An inward change of attitude leading to an outward change of action. Unless both of these occur, real repentance has not taken place inward change of attitude outward change of action now I've got an example this morning that I'd like to explain brother Noah would you please come today I've 
I have some water here today, and uh, um, and uh, you look so nice, and uh, hair looks good, outfit looks good, but uh, I, I want to talk to you about repentance, and uh, yeah, yeah, turn that way, um, let the people see you, and uh, repentance is, if I do wrong, if I make a mistake, it's, it's wrong to pour water on somebody. Is that right? Right. We do that often in this church. I don't know why, but we do it really often. And uh, I was very kind to Noah. I texted him early this morning. I said, Noah, today's going to be a great day, but I need you to bring an extra pair of clothes. And, uh, and so, so he was amply warned, and he's got clothes to change into for the 11 o'clock service, so he's not damp for the rest of the day. But, but it, it's wrong to pour, somebody, pour water on somebody, and so let's say I pour water on, on Brother Noah. Poor <laughs> he, he, asked, he asked the Elisha ministers to get a, a warm bottle of water, and they didn't get a warm bottle of water. That's awesome. That is so great. It's, it's wrong to do that. And I can say to Noah, Noah, I am so sorry. I'm sorry that I poured water on you. I, I shouldn't have. But then the next day comes, or the, you know, an hour later comes, and something just comes over me, and Noah just looks like he needs water poured on him again. Oh, it's probably a little too wet on the platform. Should have thought that through. It's, it's wrong. And Noah, I'm so sorry. No, you know. Noah, 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 you got to believe me. Please forgive me. Noah, N Noah, Noah, I'm sorry. Noah, do you hear me? I am so, so sorry. How? You're pretty damp. You're pretty good. Noah's a good sport. Give Noah a big hand. Okay, you, I'm done. You can go. I, I, can, I can vocalize to Noah. <laughs> Noah. Noah doesn't want know what to do for the remainder of this session. You can go change. Uh, just watch it online. Just watch it later. But I, I can say verbally to Noah, I am sorry. I am very sorry. I, I should not have poured water on you. I made a grave mistake. I'm so sorry. But if my words are just words, I have not repented. If my words are just, are, you got a towel? Did you bring a, a towel in here? That's so great. Just throw it up here. We got, we got time for this. Just throw it. Okay. Y'all with me? Everybody good? I got to dry this up. Pastor's not here. I got to, I got to. If my, if my words are just words, I have not truly repented. If I tell God, Lord, I am sorry for my mistake and it stays at just words, that is not true repentance. Confession and admitting fault is a part of repentance. Confess your sins to God. It, it, the scripture goes into that. It's very detailed about that. But, 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 if, but if my repentance is just merely words that I speak, I have not repented. 
Because repentance is always about a change of direction that I take. Not merely just words that I say. And it is possible being in church for an extended amount of time. It is possible growing up uh, uh, among the, the amazing things of God. It is possible to say words that you do not mean. It is possible to say things even to God that we do not fully, that we do not fully mean. But, but we, we must be reminded on this Sunday morning that repentance, yes, is confession and words to God. But it's more than just a confession only. It's a turning in that confession. Lord, I am sorry for the things that I have done. I am sorry for the mistakes that I have made. But beyond that, Lord, I commit to you now. I'm turning. God, I'm not going to be who I used to be. I'm not going to do what I used to do. I'm not going to pour water like I used to pour water on poor people. I'm not going to do that anymore. It's, it is not just words, but it's it is a turning of direction in my life. That is true repentance. That is true repentance. The words of repentance are the witness of an inward change. Whether that be small or large, words of repentance are the witness of an inward change in my life. Those can be big things. Those can be addictions and bondages and, and, and these things that, that, that God calls us out of and from. But the longer you walk with him, those things become things like thoughts and things like intentions and things like desires. It becomes things that, 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 that maybe aren't as extreme and don't carry as harsh of a penalty. But repentance, the definition does not change no matter how small or how great the sin or the mistake is. Every day that we wake up, every day that we live, there has to be a spirit of repentance within us that we are constantly trying to align ourselves with where the word is taken. Come on, it's a lamp to my feet. It's a, it shows me where I currently am, but it's also a light unto my path. It also shows me the way I must go. And so repentance keeps me in alignment with what the word has for my life. And so we need to know and understand from the outset, repentance is, is, is uh, the words of repentance are the witness of an outward change. Uh, 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 the words of repentance are the witness of an inward change. Repentance is not just merely feeling sorry. Brother Woodward says this, for your sins, although that is a part of it. This is, it is this godly sorrow Godly sorrow that leads us to repent. True repentance causes us to make changes in our lives. Repentance causes us to make change. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 for godly sorrow. Somebody say godly sorrow. Godly sorrow worketh or produces repentance to salvation, not to be repented of or, or, or not, it's, it's without regret, but the, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. Watch, watch what it says uh, godly sorrow produces, what repentance produces. For what carefulness is wrought in you? Yea, what clearing of yourselves? Yea, 
what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. True repentance causes us to make change. True repentance produces things in our life. Somebody say amen. And and as far as I'm concerned, probably the greatest example of repentance is found in Psalms chapter 51. Prayer of David, you'll find at the beginning of that that chapter in, in most of your Bibles over the subtext, right after Psalms 51, right before the verses begin, you'll find a description of Psalms 51 that says something along the lines of this. Psalms 51, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had slept with Bathsheba. David was a king. David had built this amazing kingdom with the Lord, with the help of the Lord. And the Bible says it was time, First, Second Samuel 11, it was time for kings to go to battle and David stays home and he makes his way to, to the uh, to, the, to the porch. He makes his way uh, to, to a place where the kingdom is within sight and he sees the water and in the water is a, is a, is a young lady uh, a young lady bathing and David takes her and, and sleeps with her and, and, and a great sin is committed, a great mistake by the king himself is committed, but he doesn't just stop there at, at, at having an affair with Bathsheba. He, he, he goes on and, and kills her husband. He, he now just now one mistake has led to another and, and now he's got blood on his hands and, and, and it's such a mess of what is going on and, and scripture uh, uh, records that Nathan the prophet shows up to David and says essentially, David, you are the man. You are the one that has made this great mistake. And David's reply to that moment in his life, to Nathan the prophet, hearing from God about his sin, he says in Psalm 51 and 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For, I want to highlight some things here, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. This is one of the greatest prayers of repentance ever recorded and we can learn a lot from David's prayer of repentance. It teaches us some things that we must have when we repent. In verse three, I want you to see this. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. If you are going to repent, repentance requires honesty. Repentance requires honesty. Honesty with yourself, honesty with God, and honesty with others. Repentance requires absolute honesty. Psalms 51 and 4, let's go on. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, and thou 
that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me, make me to know wisdom. Behold, thou, David said, behold, thou, please hear me, Thou desirest truth. Somebody say truth. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. You cannot heal from what you cannot reveal. You cannot heal. Listen to me. You cannot heal. You cannot move forward. You cannot grow beyond what you are not willing to reveal. You can't grow beyond something that you are not willing to be open and honest about with yourself and with God. If you can't be honest with yourself and with God about the sin that is in your life, then you have halted the progress that God desires for your life. You've halted it. Because even God will not encroach upon your choice to repent or not to repent. God will not. And he, will not he will not force himself onto somebody and make them repent or change. God will not do it. He won't do it. He will give you an invitation. He will bring conviction that draws us to God, not pushes us away from God. He'll bring us words. He'll bring us opportunities. He'll give us a space. He gave Jezebel, even Jezebel, he gave her a space to repent, the scripture says in Revelation. He gave her a space to repent of her fornication, but, but she wouldn't do it. God brings opportunities to repent. But even the opportunities require us to reveal what is wrong with us? We are required of Scripture to humble ourselves before God. For James 4 and 6 says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If I want to be forgiven, I must humble myself before God. And I must confess to God what I have done. 1 John 1 and 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful. And he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If I want to be forgiven as David was forgiven, I must humble myself before God. And I must confess to him the wrong 
that I have committed. Recently, we all heard news of the Asbury revival that, that sparked um, a couple months back from Wilmore, Kentucky. I, in, in talking about this with, with Pastor, I learned that this was not the first time this had happened. In the 1970s, there was a very similar revival that broke out on that college campus in Asbury. And, and, I, and I watched a, a documentary about that revival that, that, that saw people from all over the country come to that place and, and, and confess sin and make it right with God and, 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 and find hope and all of these things. And it's great and we thank God for that. It, 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 all of this was happening. And the dean, the president of the college during the 1970s, he, he describes, uh, he describes this, this revival that took place. His, his name is Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, and, 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 he, and he starts to open up about how this revival started to take place. And, and, and he tells a story in the documentary about, about uh, how he was out of the country for a period of time, and when he got back, to, to Kentucky, to Wilmore. He, he, it was late at night and he heard about what was going on and, and he snuck into the service late in the evening and, and sat in the back trying to, trying to not be seen, trying to not interfere with anything that was going on. But after so long, there, there was a young lady, a student, that, that found him and, and she said she needed to talk. She said this, and, I, and uh, please hear me. She said, Dr. Kinlaw, I, I am a liar. She said, I lie so much, I don't even know when I'm lying. She said, I am a liar. What do I do? Dr. Kinlaw replied with something he had never said. Well, why don't you go back to the last person you remember lying to, confess it to that person, and ask him or her, to forgive you. She replied to Dr. Kinlaw, she said, oh sir, that would kill me. He said, no, it would probably cure you. Three days later, that girl came back to Dr. Kinlaw glowing. She said, Dr. Kinlaw, Dr. Kinlaw. She said, I'm free, I'm free. He said, what do you mean you're free? She said, I've just made it right with my 34th person and I am free. Amen. Amen. You want to talk about, he, he says, he goes on to say, he said that was the kind of thing that was taking place. An honest, candid dealing with personal sin, personal disobediences, and with personal problems. Can I tell you that in repentance, we need to make things right with the people that we have wronged? Yes, repentance is, is confessing to God. Yes, repentance is being honest and open with ourselves, being humble and, and confessing to the Lord. But, but Scripture would teach us that we need to make it right with the people that we have wronged. Matthew 5 and 23, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother has, has aught with thee, with thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. 
first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Somebody has something against you? It wasn't your fault and you didn't do it? Whatever. Bible says don't offer that sacrifice yet. Hang on a minute. Lay that gift down. Go to your brother and make it right. And once you've made it right, then offer your sacrifice to the Lord. That's what scripture says. Matthew 18 tells us another instance. And verse 15, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. If thy brother has trespassed against you, go to your brother and make it right. That's uncomfortable to do. That's not easy to do. But scripture teaches us to do it. We can't go to people mad. We can't go to people ready to, ready to fight. <laughs> We've got to go to people in a right spirit and a right attitude. We gotta, sometimes we got to sit on stuff for a minute before we respond in a moment of aggression or emotion. We've got we've to do it correctly, but we have to do it. We have to do he, he, he said, this is the way you'll know that, you, that they're my disciples. They have love one toward another. There should, not be, there should not be somebody in this church that you have question with. Are we okay? Well, we, we keep our distance. Uh, we keep our distance. We, we, you know, we had this scuffle. We had this misunderstanding a year or two ago or several years ago. And, and we've just never talked. That shouldn't be. It shouldn't. That should not be in the kingdom of God. You cannot function, we cannot function as a body and as a unit that, that is operating together with God. We cannot function as a body if we are not together. If we are not, if, if, there, if there is aught between us, we cannot function the way God has called us to function. And I'm thankful for a church where I don't sense that. I don't, I don't even, I, I don't feel that. And I'm thankful for that. But scripture still commands us. If there is something that, that, that is, that is not right, is, is out of line with my brother or with my sister in Christ, scripture em emphatically declares that I don't need to just ignore it. I need to acknowledge it and I need to try to make it right. Amen. I need to try to make it right. I need to do everything. And it's very interesting. It's very interesting in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. It's talking about if thy brother shall trespass against thee and gives instruction what to do. But if you go on down just five verses later to verse 20, same subject for where two or three, God, are gathered together in my name, are gathered in my name. There I am. I'm a, what is the subject at hand? The subject at hand is dealing with aught against my brother or my sister in Christ. And he says, where, where two or three gathered together, my name, I'm there. There, there, there. There's something special. 
There's something special. The hand of God is present in a special way with people that try, that, that people, uh, with people who will do everything that they can to protect the unity of the body of Christ. He is present with those type of people. He is present, amen, in those situations. I've come to tell you on this Sunday morning, we've got to repent, we've got to make it right with God, we've got to make it right with ourselves, but we cannot leave our brother and our sister out there on an island by themselves because of a misunderstanding. We've got to get it right. We've got to make it right with one another. We've got to be together in this thing. Go to them. Go to them in love. Go to them in the fruit of the Spirit. Display a right attitude, but go to them. Go to them. Obey Scripture and go to them. People you know what I've learned? People have a huge amount of capacity to forgive someone who knows they're wrong. People have a huge amount of capacity for, for somebody that knows they have made a mistake. Everybody, I, I don't know of anybody in this building that if somebody comes up to you and, 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 is, and is genuinely sorry for the mistake they have made, I, I, I don't know anybody in this room that will look at that person and say, I don't forgive you. People have a huge amount of capacity for somebody that is willing to admit that they're wrong and repent of their sin and make it right. But it's very difficult. We all understand that it's very difficult to deal with the person that blames their mistakes on other things. It's very difficult. It's difficult for that person. It's difficult for the people around them. If you blame your mistake on other stuff, then, then it's hard to move on. It's hard to make progress. At some point, sir, at some point, ma'am, freedom has to be the most important and valuable thing in your life. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom has to be more valuable than your comfort. It's, it's quiet, but it's right. Freedom has to be more valuable than your comfort. It has to be more valuable than, 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 than your pride. It has to be more valuable than, than whether you think, well, they shouldn't have done this. or you, Whether or not you think you're all the way wrong or not. Freedom and unity have to be more important than those little things. So let's make it right with one another. Let's make it right with God. Let's repent and let's move forward to what God has for us. Oh, would you clap your hands? <laughs> Scripture, and I've got to hurry, 1041. Script, uh, repentance cannot be a formality. Cannot be just words that I say. Psalms 51, 16, David goes on and says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. He said this in the Old Testament. In, in, the, in the Testament where they, where, the, where they were offering animal sacrifices. For sin offerings and trespass offerings and all of these things. He said, you don't delight in sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Verse 19, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. David was saying, you, you don't desire 
just the formality of sacrifice. You don't desire for me to just go through the routine of, uh, of just making a sacrifice and then going back and do. He said, you desire more than that. You desire a broken spirit and a contrite heart. He said, those things you won't despise. David said, even Saul, he reached into the into the New Testament. He reached beyond. He reached beyond the cross. He reached beyond where he currently was and saw and understood that it's, it's more than just going through the formality of offering a sacrifice to the Lord. You desire for there to be true, honest, inward change. I think it's very interesting that Michelangelo painted Sistine Chapel and if you read different commentaries and studies, whatever, on this, people say that his vision was greatly affected by the work that he did at the Sistine Chapel. They said that the type of paint that was used when it would drip, at moments it would drip into his eyes and it would affect his vision. Michelangelo lost his vision painting nearly, nearly, he didn't lose it, nearly lost his vision painting the Sistine Chapel. And sometimes we make such an effort to paint this picture for everyone to see. We make such an effort to paint a picture all the while losing our sight of who we really are and who God has really called us to be. I am not, I've made up my mind, I'm not going to do something or act a certain way just to portray this picture of everything's right. Everything's good. Got it all together. Praise the Lord, brother. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to pour my heart and soul out to you every moment that you ask how I'm doing either. I'm not going to be a basket case. I'm going to be balanced. And, but, but I'm not going to portray this picture of I'm well, I'm good. Everything's Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? We must be honest with where we are with God with ourselves, and with others. I can read Matthew 23, 23, read Isaiah 29, 13. I, I, I've got more to cover, but I'm out of time. Stand with me if you would. A great study in the Word of God, Brother Russell, is the cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. I don't have time to go into it. It's 1045. But study the cities of refuge. Somebody had made a mistake. Somebody had done something wrong. They had messed up. Scripture tells us that as long as that person was headed to a city of refuge, that they could not be penalized for the sin that they committed or the mistake that they made against somebody else. Here's, here's the gist of it. There is so much mercy so much grace for somebody that is headed toward the Lord. 
so much mercy. There's so much grace. There's so much available to you as somebody that is heading toward the Lord. If you are heading toward the Lord, there is enough mercy and enough grace and enough forgiveness for you. God is willing, as Brother Marks told us, God is willing to forgive us until it is fixed. If we will point ourselves in the right direction and make our minds, not, not, uh, not, not, not if I fall, when I fall, I shall arise. When I fall, when I make a mistake, when I sin, when, when, I, when I do all of this wrong and I mess up and I, and I fall short with God, when I, when I make a mistake, rejoice not against me, oh my enemies, for when I fall, I shall arise. Come on, when you make a mistake, when you sin, don't dwell in that sin. You've got to get up and you've got to keep going toward the cross. You've got to keep pursuing the will of God. You've got to keep pursuing, amen, the purpose of God in your life. And if you'll do that, there's enough grace, there's enough mercy, there's enough love that's available for you that you couldn't scratch the surface of it in all of your lifetime. You've just got to be heading toward Him. You've just got to be going in Him his direction when you disobey the word of God repent and move on let's clap our hands to the Lord and thank him for his word oh come on somebody thank the Lord hallelujah God we thank you for your word today we thank you for the promise of your scripture Lord that when we repent you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of those sins I thank you for the promises of your word that go beyond my thought that go beyond my mind that go beyond what I feel I am worthy of I thank you for your word today and I pray for every individual in this room God that they would that, 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 that they would believe and hold on to the fact that if we we repent when we disobey you are just and willing to forgive us in Jesus name and everybody said amen let's clap our hands to the Lord amen so excited for brother Woodward today and what God's going to do in this 11 o'clock service God bless you you're dismissed in Jesus name thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church podcast if you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.